Hello, my name is Dwayne Spearman. Welcome to Directional Bible Ministries. This is a teaching ministry that is designed to encourage, disciple, and challenge the people of God. We are continuing to work our way through the book of Galatians together. Um, last time we were together, we looked at Galatians chapter number 3, and we got down to verse number 18. Um, let's see, just a couple of things I want to show you real quick. Uh, right here is where I'm putting up my studies. Um, of course, I've always had them on YouTube. Uh, but as you can see, <laughs> uh, the view rates are not very high on YouTube. Um, you know, the older ones are picking up a little bit of steam. Then I've also started putting them on um, Rumble as well. Uh, the neat thing about Rumble is they're already monetized, but, you know, there's just... Uh, I think I've gotten $5 or something like that. Not much coming. Uh, by far, um, the more the most I get in plays comes from SoundCloud. And SoundCloud, of course, uh, sends it out uh, to Spotify. And I have a, a launch thing on my website here to Spotify. So it sends it out as well. So it goes on to Spotify and it also goes on to Apple Play. So anyway, I've almost given up on the video portion because really the videos aren't being watched anywhere near as much as the podcast. But but anyway, be that as, as it may, that's where it all is. So uh, check those out. And again, I'm just, you know, this this is a very, excuse me, challenging undertaking for me because I have really been challenged uh, with my altered view on, in regard to the mid-acts position. Uh, therefore, everything else needs to be seen through that. Um, I did a study on um, that I entitled Romans 11, Rightly Divided. It changes everything when you realize that Israel is still God's chosen people. Israel is the elect. It's not the church. Uh, the church hasn't become Israel. Um, the church is under no covenant with God. The church was not born in Acts 2. Uh, Paul was the first convert into the body of Christ. Again, it makes you look at everything differently. So just for my own sake, first and foremost, I make sure that I do due diligence when it comes to studying other books and making sure that I, I keep that filter um, in that regard because so much of my life has been looking at it through that skewed filter of the birth of the church and in Acts 2. Uh, so it's completely uh, challenged me. So as I'm working through the book of Galatians, I can go back and pull up Galatians notes from years ago that I, I wouldn't, I just delete them. <laughs> I mean, it's just they, they are so, um, they're looking through that Acts 2 filter, and it really does change everything when you realize that, you know, Israel is God's people. Israel is the elect. And when you realize that Christ came, he had to be crucified and to rise again from the dead, and that Acts chapter 2, fulfillment of, uh, Pentecost, fulfillment of Joel 2, uh, was the official offering of the kingdom to the nation of Israel. 
not to the body of Christ. Body of Christ was not present. Uh, and then, of course, you know, had the nation of Israel accepted it, they would have rolled right into Daniel's 70th week, uh, which would have culminated with the second coming and the establishment of the kingdom, and God would have used the nation of Israel to reach the Gentile nations. That was plan A, but that's not what happened. But we need to remember that when we read Peter's writings, when we read James's writings, when we read John's writings, uh, even when we remember when we read Paul's writings, Paul knew the difference. And um, so, as I'm working my way through the Book of Galatians, I'm just very careful. So today, we're just gonna just for the next 15 minutes or so, we're gonna look in Galatians chapter three, verse number 15, work our way, and then work forward from there. Brethren, I speak after the manner of men. Let me make sure my sound's good. Okay, brother, I speak after the manner of men, though it be but a man's covenant, yet. If it be confirmed, no man disannulleth or addeth thereto. Again, his point is that in response to the covenant that God made with Abraham, he can only think of it as a mere man, you know, which that's all he is. He can only use his <laughs> mental faculties that God has given to him. So when he says, brethren, I speak after the manner of men, you know, I'm just using my common sense. I'm using the brains God gave me. And he says, though it be but a man's covenant, yet if it be confirmed, no man disannulleth or addeth thereto. In other words, God means, he means that God made a deal with Abraham, and he's not going to change his mind by getting rid of that deal or adding to that deal. And notice verse 16. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He saith not, and to seeds, as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. So back to the promise that God gave to Abraham and his descendants. That promise is what we call the Abrahamic covenant. It has nothing to do with the law. The law did not come until hundreds, 430 years after the promise was made to Abraham. And that is Paul's entire argument, that Abraham's faith came before the law. Abraham was not justified by the law. Abraham was justified justified by faith, just as we in the body of Christ today are not justified by the law, but we are justified by the same faith that Abraham had in the promises of God. And of course, the Messiah, the Christ. Um, so the promises that God gave to him were in regard to a land, and it was in regard to a seed, and in many ways it was in regard to a kingdom. And these are outlined in Romans, Romans 9.4 and Romans 15.8. And, of course, you can go back and read the Abrahamic covenant in, in Genesis. No, and, but notice this part. And he saith, and to seeds as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. This is where many translations, as I've mentioned in the past, go off the rails because they do not consistently translate this correctly. Um you know, in Genesis 3.15, For all the land which thou seest, to thee I will give it, and to thy seed forever. Genesis 17.8, And I will give unto thee, and to thy seed after thee. The King James accurately translates those verses. But when you get over into the other translations, all of a sudden, uh, the seed um, becomes um, offspring. Uh, the seed becomes your descendants. The, the seed uh, becomes something else. And what Paul is saying here is that seed is Christ. 
that seed is Christ. So the word translated in all these verses is always in the singular, it's not in the plural, in the originals. However, to do so removes the specific reference to Christ. So when you start saying to your offspring, to your descendants, to your inheritance, you're removing the specificity of the prophecy, which is to Christ. So that means in that in all of these verses, the land is the inheritance of Christ. The Abrahamic covenant will be ultimately fulfilled in Christ. He is the one that was going to fulfill all these promises that God made to Abraham. Now notice in verse number 17, um, Galatians 3, verse number 17. This, well, let's get back to the King James, <laughs> um, verse 17. And this I say, that the covenant, what covenant? I mean, obviously he's referring to the covenant that was made with Abraham. And this I say, that the covenant that was confirmed before of God in Christ, the law, which was 430 years after, cannot disannul it. So he's saying the promises that God made to Abraham, which was 430 years before the law, cannot be disannulled that it should make the promise of none effect. The law did not supersede the promise, is what he's saying. For if the inheritance be of the law, then it's no more promise. The inheritance that God told Abraham he would give him and his descendants, the land, um, you know, the kingdom, all of those things, the Messiah, um, would be none effect if the law replaced it. And then it wouldn't be the promise would be no more, but God gave it to Abraham by promise. Again, Paul is pointing out that the covenant given to Abraham by faith was in Christ, just like the gospel that, that he preached, and the law had no bearing on it since it was given 430 years later. And his conclusion is that the promises made to Abraham were of faith, not of law. Therefore, the two should not be mixed together. Okay, They should be separated. Abraham was justified by faith at the giving of the, of the covenant, not by keeping the law, because there was no law. Uh, and then verse number 19, Wherefore then serveth the law? It was added because of transgressions, till the seed should come. Now again, that word seed, who is the seed? Christ should come to whom the promise was made. So who was the promise made? says, to the seed should come to whom the promise was made, and it was ordained by angels in the hand of a mediator. Um, so the covenant, so if the covenant had nothing to do with law, why was the law later given? That's what he's asking. If the covenant didn't have anything to do with law, um, Abraham was justified by faith, why, what's the purpose of the law? It was added because of transgressions until the seed should come to whom the promises were, were made. So what is he saying? Obviously, this is speaking when it says, what then serveth the law? It was added because of transgression until the seed should come to whom the promises was made. So it was added because of transgression. Now, obviously, he's speaking of Israel's transgressions. The law was given to Israel. The law was not given to the Gentiles. That's why my wording, my definitions have changed in many ways. 
we as Gentiles were never redeemed from the law because we were never under the law. Israel were the ones that were redeemed from the law, not us. So in the most accurate accurate sense, they are the ones who are redeemed as far as the Bible is concerned. Um, so he's saying here that the law was given because of transgression. So the law was given to preserve the nation. In other words, rules, regulations were put in place until the seed, Christ, should come to whom the promise was made. The law was put in place to preserve the nation until the seed should come. And notice, until the seed should come. So the law was to keep the nation together until Christ should come to whom the promise was made. In other words, the law was to serve as a guide to preserve the nation. And how was it ordained? It was ordained by angels. Now, what does that mean? The only thing I can think of is Deuteronomy 33, 1 through 2. And this is the blessing wherewith Moses, the man of God, blessed the children of Israel before his death. And he said, The Lord came from Sinai and rose up from Seir unto them. He shined forth from Mount Paran, and he came with ten thousands of his saints from his right hand when a fiery law for them. Um, what that seems to be saying there is, number one, it would make Moses the mediator, okay? It would make Moses the mediator. Uh, the word saints in these verses is a reference to holy ones or angels. So the angels here, when it says, and it was ordained by angels in the hand of a mediator. So the mediator would be Moses, and the angels were present when it was given. So just interesting. Uh, the word saints in these verses, like I said, is a reference to holy ones or angels. You know, in Exodus 20, verse number 19, And they said unto Moses, Speak thou with us, and we will hear. But let not God speak with us, lest we die. And Moses said unto the people, Fear not, for God has come to prove you, and that his fear may be before your faces, that ye sin not. And the people stood afar off, and Moses drew near the thick darkness where God was. And the Lord said unto Moses, Thus shalt thou say to the children of Israel, Ye have seen that I have talked with you from heaven." So this, the word saints in these verses is a reference to the holy ones or the angels. So when he says there, and it was ordained by angels in the hands of the mediator, and then when it's quoted here, uh, when he comes with ten thousands of his saints, it seems to be referring to the angelic presence that was there at the giving of the law. And then he takes another spin, and I'll get into this later. Now, a mediator is not a mediator of one, but God is one. What does that verse mean? Well, we'll talk about that next time we get together. God bless you guys. Hope you have a great day. Remember, God loves you, wants the best for you, and he's working all things out for your good.